daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Manchester United and Tottenham Hotspur hold a big advantage in their respective Europa League ties. With big wins last night, surely they're through to the last 16. Will Mourinho put all his eggs in the Europa League basket and sneak into next season's Champions League through the back door? And will Manchester United end their season with silverware? Seems like job done already for those two, but Arsenal and Leicester still have it all to play for in the round of 32 all square in their first leg games, with progression hanging in the balance. We'll pick the bones out of last night's European endeavours, plus the Premier League weekend kicks off tonight as Friday Night Football sees Wolves welcome the Whites, Leeds United the visitors to Molyneux. I'm Niall, this is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the season, every single day of the week. And joining me this Friday, we have the vocally gifted Ian Brannan. How are you doing, Ian? <laughs> I'm good. I'm just wondering what the gift is. I've not discovered it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made a living out of it, so I think you might well, be all right. Just um, about. If Ian's vocally gifted, we've got the follically challenged Steve McNaughton. <laughs> How are you doing, Steve? Oh, well, it was all right until then. <laughs> it's a tale, tale of two intros on this one, isn't it? Yeah. Me. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with having no hair, Steve, because I can tell you now I'm probably going to end up that way at some point in my life as no, well. Not you. Look at my family history, my all genealogy. Right. Fair enough. No, no, yeah, fair enough. I was going to say you've got a magnificent head of her. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it for as long as possible. That's why I never cut it. Right. Anyway, time to talk uh, Europa League because that's what we're going to be discussing, of course, uh, on today's podcast in the main. There is some Premier League action tonight, as we've already mentioned. Wolves against Leeds, which is the only game that takes place this Friday evening. But let's focus on our Premier League sides, which are in Europa League action yesterday. All of the games, 5.55pm kickoffs, apart from the Arsenal game, which kicked off a little bit later. Um, we'll come on to the Arsenal game shortly. We will start with Real Sociedad nil, Manchester United 4. Now, just a little caveat. If you are a Leicester City fan expecting to hear um, about how your side's done, because you drew 0-0 last night with Slavia Prague, we're not really going to talk about your game, unfortunately. Uh, we did talk about it yesterday, but not, not so much today, just because of the scoreline. There are goals to talk about. And of course, much like match of the day, that takes the priority. Manchester United scored four of them last night. I thought they looked pretty threatening, to be fair, Steve. Uh, and they probably could have had more. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was talking in the pre-match press conference of his game plan of going big in the first leg and trying to score as many goals as possible and, and getting a massive lead. And it seems to have paid off for them. Yeah, I thought they were really impressive last night. I thought I thought that was a potential banana skin for them before kick-off. I thought Sociedad have not had a bad season in Spain. They've got a couple of familiar faces in David Silva and uh, Zanajai. Is that his name? Zanajai? Um, yeah, Zanajai. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I thought, like, um, it just goes to show you when they're not in the Premier League, how far they, how quickly they disappear out of your uh, memory, doesn't it? But um, I thought that mm. the uh, when I was watching it last night, I thought they, they looked a threat all the time. I thought the game was quite open. Um, and I thought that they United have lots of options and, and they punished a, a side for not taking their chances last night. And I think they can quite be quietly confident for that competition. I, I fancy them in this competition to do quite well. And last night, they, they, they could have had more than four. Um, very, very easy. It could have been six or seven that, that last yeah. night. And I think to go away, and yes, we can talk about the quality of opponent in the Europa League, but Real Sociedad are no mugs. And that, that to come away from there with a 4-0 win last night is, is really good. 
Yeah, and actually I wanted to ask you about this because you'll know better than anyone as a Liverpool fan about four goal cushions in European knockout ties. Um, I'm sure even though that Liverpool produced that remarkable and famous comeback against Barcelona when you were four goals behind in the first leg and then you took it back home in the second leg and managed to score four and get yourselves through to the next stage, that was in the Champions League of course, even though that was probably the greatest game in Liverpool's history for some in European competition, which even beat some finals for some fans. I know that I've heard them say that. I still think that the majority of Liverpool fans would rather have been 4-0 up in the first leg. So I think yeah. you certainly feel more comfortable, don't you? Yeah, well, I just think that because the games are coming thick and fast in our season, I think it just gives Oli the opportunity to rotate a bit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see United conceding four at home to uh, Sociedad. I think Sociedad will fancy themselves to score at Old Trafford. But I think that, um, yeah, they can rotate. They can put. I mean, I thought Dean Henderson played really well last night, for example, um, and I think they've got like nice cushion. But you know, if they end up getting kind of beat, you know, two nil or something at Old Trafford, they'll, t- they'll probably take that now to go through. Yeah, and obviously away goals still count, don't they? And the fact that they've won four nil away from home leaves Real Sociedad with a mountain to climb. Dan James started the game, Ian, which uh, is unusual. We don't usually see him start matches for Manchester United. He's not one of the front runners, let's just say, in that forward line. But Solskjaer said after the game that Dan James showed his X factor. Um, and I guess his X factor is the pace that he's got. We've seen it in abundance in the time that he's been playing professional football, still only in his early, tw- early 20s. But he had a decent amount of chances um, getting in behind on that right-hand side. A couple of shots blocked by the goalkeeper. A couple of opportunities where he probably should have done better. If his X-factor is pace, how much more deadly do you think he could be if his finishing improved? Or is he a bit of a one-trick pony? Well, as you mentioned, through through the course of his career, we have seen what he's capable of. And we say course of his career, it's his relatively short career so far because he's still a young mm. lad, as you mentioned. And when he was playing at Swansea, he was doing this kind of thing regularly, that kind of move that he did last night, bombing down the wing and then firing a shot in nice and hard and low into the goal. And it is what he did. And, you know, we might have seen it more if he'd actually managed to sign his contract for Leeds United, but it never uh, never actually paid off. Um, and he, <laughs> well, he held the shirt up. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That was ridiculous. That's a whole separate saga, you know, holding the shirt up, photos done, and he still falls through. But that was more Swansea's doing than his. But anyway, off he went to Man United and um, has spent quite a, a deal of time sort of not starting games. Yeah, he's capable of it. And it's one of them things, isn't it? If he's not getting the, the opportunities to play, then we're not going to see it. Um, but hopefully you know last night performances last night and doing that when he does get the chance um puts him further up um mm. in the in the mind of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and also the the fans as well who yeah. obviously have not really seen what he's capable of and it's interesting you pick up on that because I did see a few journalists and fans on social media last night of the Manchester United persuasion uh, suggesting that Dan James has done exactly what they wanted him to do, which was solidify himself as a useful squad player coming off the bench or starting games in which rotation is needed. And that was a hallmark of the great Manchester United sides of years gone by in the Premier League under uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, wasn't it, Ian? The fact that regardless of who uh, Sir Alex picked in the team, they were always capable of producing and performing consistently. And I imagine that's what the fans are hoping for from Dan James because, you know, it's a tough task for any player to try and get in ahead of some of the forward players that United do have. If you're in a Man United team, uh, you, you, you don't. Man United are not known for having rubbish players, are they? You know, anybody who signs for Man United who is even on the bench 
has always been and should always be a really strong player, you know, a formidable player that the sort of thing that when you when you see them bringing a sub on you as as the as the opposition you're thinking, "Ugh, you know, there's no let up." And and that's really the role that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer used to play, isn't it? When he was mm. when he was a player, he was the he was often the super sub, you know, come on for the last uh, 20 30 minutes or so and, and 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 bob a couple of goals more than anything else, you know. And and there is a certainly a, a career in that of 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 being a a great second half player that really makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. You talk about players that make an impact. One player, Steve, that seems to make an impact every time he plays, even when United aren't playing that well, is Bruno Fernandes. He just always seems to show quality, even if it's just in flashes during games. But more often than not, he grabs that United side by the scruff of the neck and drags them through games. Scored two goals last night in the 4-0 win. One of the finishes was almost behind him and he had to really time his strike perfectly to to meet the ball as it kind of met his right foot yeah he almost kicked it from behind him if that's possible and still steered it into the far corner an excellent finish for me he says that he doesn't care if he doesn't score another goal until the end of the season he just wants to lift a trophy come the season's end do you think that's the mentality that Manchester United have been missing in recent years a player who is able to come in and and say right listen lads I'm not here for fun and games I'm not here to pick up my paycheck score goals in front of the Stratford end put the shirt over my head and celebrate I'm here to pick silverware up at the end of the season do you think that's the sort of mentality that United have needed in recent seasons definitely Uh, I'll you know even though he's a United player I love his attitude Uh, I think he's an absolutely unbelievable player um I wasn't convinced. I thought when when he came to the Premier League um, and he come from Sporting Lisbon and he scored a mountain of goals and loads of assists, I thought the Premier League might have been a, a, a big step up for him. You know, initially, and he might have had to bed in and you know mm. kind of have his ups and downs and stuff like that. But he's just hit the ground running, hasn't he? And he hasn't looked back since. And you know, he's a shoe in for you know. I mean, he's in the running for Player of the Year. Let's be honest about it. You know, he's he's in that conversation. And I think that they've they've got a gem there, United. They've got a player that if they can keep hold of him, because he's still a relatively young player as well. What's he, about 24, 25, something like that? Yeah. And um, I think the, the, the threat is obviously if one of the big boys come in for him when they start rebuilding because of, of what he's done at United. But the attitude, mentality is exactly what they need. I mean, I've heard stories in the past about him telling Harry Maguire he's not fit to be captain. And I love all that. I love the fact that he's, um, you know, willing to kind of put his his neck on the line, and it is about the team as opposed to his own individual goals. And um, I think, yeah, they've got a proper player there. And and if they do get a trophy at the end of the season, whether it be like I said before, I do fancy them from for the Europa League. I think they've got mm. that 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 little something about them in that competition. Um, I just think that you know the chances of him having silverware at the end of the season are quite high um, because obviously they've got a uh, FA Cup semi-final to come as well, haven't they? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, good for him. You know, players thrive on winning trophies. You know, that's what people are judged by. You know, um, we don't want to see any captions were uh, on when they're doing punditry later in the career where it said made six appearances for Portugal in his career. You know, and all <laughs> that. Um, so I just think that he will be a real driving force in that dressing room, and he'll be, be he'll be dragging players along with him on that journey. And fair play, money well spent. Yeah, definitely agree with that, that it has been money well spent. Um, You know, the more he plays and the more he contributes to goals and assists during games, the more it looks actually like a bargain in today's market for what they paid for him. Certainly been an excellent player and an excellent addition for Manchester United. 
Steve thinks that they've got a really good chance of winning the Europa League because he's just pinpointed there, Ian. I just wondered what mm. your thoughts are because even though it's the last 32, you'd like to think now that Manchester United have done enough with four away goals to get themselves through to the next round. It would take some capitulation to concede five at Old Trafford to Real Sociedad. Um, but still, you know, you have to think about um, the fact that there's a last 16, then quarterfinals, then semis, and then the final. So there's still quite a long way to go in this competition and some good teams still in it. But do you fancy them to go the distance in this competition as well? Uh, yeah, I think they're certainly uh, capable of getting to the you know the semis and, and probably the final. They're, they're a hugely strong team. They're not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. And, and we're seeing that even in the league as well, that things are going all right. When you look at the other teams in the tournament, though, like you say, there's still some strong competition left over, not least Spurs. Uh, but you've still got AC Milan in there as well and uh, Bayer Leverkusen, you know, Villarreal, all fairly strong um, strong teams that, that, um, that, that could also similarly do do damage and mm. how exciting are Rangers by the way on, on, a, on a brief side <laughs> oh. note I mean that was a that was a thriller and a half wasn't it as well yeah absolutely Stephen Gerrard at the helm there um, yeah. obviously with what's going on at the moment with Jurgen Klopp Steve I know you've put your full weight behind him and you're backing him to stay at the club and lots of Liverpool fans are and understandably so for what he's done for your club but naturally there will be people that are kind of eyeing up airs to Jurgen Klopp's in as he's been there five years now and the form's taken a little bit of a nosedive lately um, is Stephen Gerrard being farmed to take the Liverpool job do you think do you think that he's up there earning his stripes at Rangers and you know the natural eyes would be drawn to Steven Gerrard as a possible um, replacement for Jurgen Klopp when the time eventually comes a bit like when Frank Lampard was in line for the Chelsea job do you think that there's any hint of that being a possibility in the future I think it depends who you speak to for me personally I think Steven has done a a wonderful job at Rangers. I think stopping, um, I was going to say Chelsea then, stopping Celtic getting 10 in a row was the brief, wasn't it, for him? Um, you know, when he took that job, it was you have to stop them. There's money to spend. And he has spent a couple of quid, um, not anything ast- astronomic, astronomical, but I think for mm. me, he, I believe tactically he's very good on the training ground. I think, you know, we, Rangers play um, a really kind of high intensity game. Um, so obviously there is an eye on, on, on how Jurgen plays. Uh, for me, in all honesty, I would like to see him do a job in the championship over here and maybe get get a team promoted uh, or, or win the championship before a Liverpool job. I think the job carries a bit too much expectation for a young manager like that. Um, there's no mm-hmm. doubt in his his connections to the club and everything he achieved at the club, but I just think if he could, you know, go and do a job at like. I don't know, Nottingham Forest or something like that and get Nottingham Forest back in the Premier League as an example. I think you'd go, hold on a minute, this guy's won league titles and trophies in Scotland. He's won the championship with Nottingham Forest, hypothetically. And um, tactically, he's very good. I think where he might struggle is Jürgen. Is, Jürgen's strength is his man management, isn't it? I think, you know, there's no doubt mm. about it. Every single one of them players will run through brick walls for him and run into any battle for him because that's the relationship he has with his players. I think Stephen's a little bit colder with his players, um, and I think that you know it's a bit like chalk and cheese really in that respect. But I just think that stranger things have happened in football. I I, I don't think I would give him the job in all honesty. I think it's I think just go and do a bit more work elsewhere first and then maybe the next time round, whenever that is in four or five years or whatever after Jürgen's gone, I think maybe that might be the time when he's in his 
kind of uh, late 40s, you know, when he's gone about and, and done a similar path to others like Brendan Rodgers, for example, and uh, he comes in and, and does it then. I think you know, the, the word behind the scenes is that Pep Linders is very much kind of in the thinking for, for the Liverpool manager's job when it comes up, but we'll see. Yeah, certainly will, but obviously nowhere near that time yet, you'd like to think from a Liverpool perspective in terms of a replacement for Jurgen Klopp. But just while we were discussing Rangers, thought I may as well bring it up because, as Ian rightly says, they're still in the competition. And Manchester United, although they might be looking ahead to the last 16 already and picking out possible potential opponents... There are still loads of English clubs still in the competition. Arsenal, Tottenham and Leicester all still in the Europa League and we might well see some all-English ties in the future. And we will talk about two of those teams. Arsenal and Tottenham will be heading to North London next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily, the only daily podcast focusing on Premier League action every single day of the season. That's Monday to Sunday. You won't miss a single episode if you hit subscribe, so make sure you do that. And of course, because it was Europa League action last night and there were four Premier League sides in action, we're just going to be discussing those games before taking a look at Wolves against Leeds in the top flight tonight, a little bit later on in the show. Let's focus on the two North London clubs, Arsenal and Tottenham respectively. We'll start with Arsenal, who had a tricky tie against Portuguese side Benfica. It finished one apiece. Benfica took the lead uh, through a penalty, Ian, for a handball. Um, It was one of those handballs for me which felt harsh, but you kind of have to hold your hands up and say, no pun intended, (laughs) it's just the rules now. Yeah, look, penalties have always been uh, a thing, <laughs> fairly harsh, I think. You know, even before, you know, VAR or not, um, penalties of, 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 for the history of the game have, have really been handed out sometimes harshly, unfairly, incorrectly or whatever. It's just one of those things, isn't it? It's just one of those things. And if you get yourself into a certain situation or into a certain kind of zone of, of, of where the ball is or where your arms are or anything else, then you know that there's a risk of conceding a penalty and yet it's it's sometimes applied differently uh, depending but you know that it could go either way and it's just one of them things isn't it it's just life um, mm. and that it will in the in this maybe not in this particular match but you know over the sphere of of life and and uh, over seasons i think every every team probably benefits just as much uh, over the long term from penalties so it's just mm. part of the game it's just just one of them things isn't it you know um, yeah. just a risk sometimes happens sometimes not it just spices it up a bit yeah absolutely well, it certainly spiced up the game because Benfica took the lead as we say from a penalty given for handball um, but even so Steve with the amount of chances that Arsenal had it shouldn't have really been a, an issue for them even if they did concede from a penalty because even before the spot kick they had two or three almost guilt-edged opportunities to take the lead, which, you know, if you're talking about a European tie away from home, if you can bag a couple of away goals early doors, as we've already discussed about the Man United result, that can give you a real advantage. Yeah, and that was a tough place to go last night for Arsenal as well, so they might be kicking themselves a little bit there. because um, And isn't football funny where, as you look at Aubameyang, who scored a hat-trick at the weekend, and yeah. he had a bit of a shocker last night, didn't he? And he missed a few chances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think is one all away to Benfica the worst result in the world I think if you're a Man United Liverpool or Man City I don't think it is but when you're talking about Arsenal taking them back to the Emirates 
it's still very, very dicey, isn't it? Because Arsenal's record is, is mixed, to say the least. Um, but yeah, so I, I just think they'll be kicking themselves that they haven't put that game to bed last night. Because if they go back to London, you know, 3-1 up or something like that, I think that it's a totally different complexion to the mm. tie. And then Benfica come out a little bit and then Arsenal may be able to pick them off and get a fourth goal, which would, would have essentially killed the tie. So... Yeah, um, but it's Arsenal, and that's what we—that's what we've come to expect, isn't it? Yeah, and Arsenal actually have kind of turned their form around since Christmas, actually in the Premier League, and Mikel Arteta seemed to have got them kind of on a bit of a run of form. But yeah, like you say, one-one against Benfica isn't the the worst result, but still work to do for them. I'm glad you brought up Aubameyang, Steve, because he did miss several simple chances by his standards. And you say he's got a hat-trick at the weekend, so it doesn't really make much sense. Do you think he's just having an off-season? Obviously, we've seen there's been issues in his personal life. Everyone's still trying to get to grips with coronavirus, and I'm sure that affects the players as well. I don't care what anyone says. It has to, because they're still human beings like everyone else. So do you think it is just a case of Aubameyang's having a bit of an off-season rather than an off couple of months? Because, you know, score a hat-trick at the weekend and then miss sitters um, the next week. That is just not in his character. It's not usual for him to do that. He's, he's lethal in front of goal usually, isn't he? He's one of the certainly one of the best strikers in the Premier League. I just think it's indicative of this season. I think that you know the the pandemic that we're coming up to twelve months on and the impact that it's had on football has done strange things to players because I think that if if you're at the Emirates, if you've got sixty thousand Arsenal fans cheering you on and and you know hanging on every pass and every run you make. It's very different to just playing on a blade of grass um, with with TV cameras there. And I just think that he's not the only one that that's affected. I think that has affected a lot of players where they probably would have got that boost in energy off off the crowd getting behind them. And I just think he's he's one of them players that has has probably suffered as a result of that. And like I said, he's not the only one. Plenty of players um, just have not adapted very well to having no fans singing the name or cheering everything they're doing and I think that in addition to everything that's gone on with coronavirus because it's been absolutely horrendous for for, for, for mm. the country and, and, and the world at large but I just think that from a from a football perspective the, the mental impact that it's had on players is, is, is palpable I think that it's very yeah. very clear that some players have not enjoyed the experience of the last 12 months that's crossed over you know, well, two seasons now, hasn't it? Um, you know, mm. and I just hope that. I mean, I don't know whether we'll see fans in before May. You know, when when the season finishes, I think that that might be a bridge too far. But I just think that come August, when the vast majority in the country, uh, people in the country, have had a couple of vaccines uh, jabs, um, that we can start to let, you know, certainly, you know, twenty, thirty thousand people into a football stadium again. Yeah, well, fingers crossed that's the case. Certainly the vaccine rollout's been going well here in the UK. So I think you're right, Steve. I think it probably will be pre-season time before we even see any sorts of supporters being let into grounds. But of course, we'll have to wait and see what happens there from a governmental and a health and safety perspective. But you talk about perhaps Aubameyang having a bit of an off-season this year. And the same can't really be levelled at young Bukayo Saka, Ian, who's had a really bright season. He's had plenty of the ball in the game last night against Benfica, a couple of chances as well, and ended up getting the Arsenal equaliser. So how important do you think he could be for Arsenal in the years to come? Because I guess that's the vision for the Gunners, is to keep Saka fit and firing and kind of develop him from a young man into a, a real star player. Yeah, he's made a massive difference since he uh, you know, broke properly broke into the team and people forget how young he is as well he's he's only 19 what 19 and a half yeah or so uh mm. and and he, he actually uh he's he's the the youngest 
Premier League player to to get into to double figures uh, for goals uh, and assists. So he's 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 done really well. Ten goals, sixteen assists across all competitions, making a massive difference in that team. As I say, I don't think it's any uh, um, coincidence that um, that since he regularly started in the team, that Arsenal's fortunes seem to have turned around a little bit. And um, mm. he's yeah, he's he's definitely a threat. And I think with Arsenal, you know, that's maybe what they've been lacking. They've been lacking that out and out threat and yeah they've got big names they've got Lacazette and they've got Aubameyang but as I say if they're not firing they're not you know they've got nothing to them and I think consistency Mm. perhaps is what Arsenal have been missing with that player like uh, say De Bruyne who you know that whenever he plays he's going to put a shift in and he's going to He's going to make a difference to a game. You, you know that from mm. from the start. Arsenal didn't really have that player, and maybe Saka could be could be one of them. Who's uh, uh, you know a regular starter who who regularly provides the threat every time he's out. Yeah, do you know what I really like about Saka, and I don't know what you think of this, Steve, is how brave he is because. Again, much like Aubameyang, he had three or four chances where he kind of scuffed a couple of shots and he got into good positions and and he didn't give up. He didn't get demoralised by missing the chances. He just kept going and he backed his ability. And, you know, it's that bravery that you get from young players that they aren't afraid to keep having pot shots and keep trying to, to hit the target and test the goalkeeper. That's what I think is one of his greatest strengths. He doesn't get demoralised. His head doesn't drop down when he does miss the chances because, you know, normal players, if that's the right term, could easily have kind of lost a bit of confidence and maybe been reluctant to shoot after missing two chances and scuffing a couple of wide. But, you know, Saka didn't do that. And maybe after the third or fourth time of asking, he eventually delivered the goods and managed to get the equaliser. I think that's the wonderful thing about youth, isn't it? Is, you know, when you're kind of really hungry and it's just about playing football and you're kind of relatively new to things, which he is, I think you just keep going and going and going, don't you? Um, you know, as a... I think it's interesting. The only thing I compare it to as a, a dad of two young boys is that you see that type of mentality with them as well, where they don't quite get some at first time and they just keep trying and trying and trying until they do get it right. And I think that as young footballers, that, that's very much the case. I think that he will not have the um, you know mental inhibitants, if you like, that older players will have. And if he does miss two or three chances, he'll just go again. And I think that... That's really good about young players, and I think that um, he's got it in, in in abundance. He is a, he's a fantastic lad. Mm. Again, took the goal well last night, and um, he's been a superstar this season, hasn't he? He's been really, really good. And you know, there's a few envious yeah. eyes at Arsenal, you know, to have a player like that in the squad, and he'll be um, um, he'll be a, an Arsenal legend in eventually. Mm, well, do you know what I think it plays a key role in that as well is having a gaffer that isn't going to give you both barrels when you miss three or four opportunities. I think that that can make a huge difference. If you've got a manager who's absolutely bellowing and barking at you on the sidelines about the decision making that you're doing, that can easily sap the confidence and courage out of a young player. And I don't think Arteta is that sort of manager on the touchline to be really lambasting young players for taking opportunities and perhaps missing them. So I think that that is also a real key in terms of uh, how young players perform. And I think it's no coincidence that you see the young players at certain clubs with certain types of managers uh, seem to be doing better than others. But that's just a, a point I wanted to make. Yeah, um, Benfica won. Yeah, Benfica won. Arsenal won. Not the worst result in the world for the Gunners in terms of the Europa League last 32, but still work to do if they are to get through to the next round. Perhaps not the case for their North London rivals Tottenham, though, who seem to have done the job that they sent set out to do in Budapest when they took on RZ Pellets, WAC, who are also known as Wolfsberger from Austria. We discussed this on yesterday's podcast that 
actually RZ Pellets is a sponsored name of the football club, which is not something you usually see in European football, but still. Uh, Tottenham won the game by four goals to one. A thoroughly well-deserved victory for them. A performance which saw them 3-0 up inside 40 minutes of the game. Um, one of those goal scorers, Ian, was Gareth Bale. We've spoken about him on the podcast before, haven't we? He started, he scored a good goal. Bit of debate before the game about whether the relationship between Bale and Mourinho has kind of soured a little bit. Rumours that his agent or some of his representatives have been coming out and saying that he's getting towards the twilight of his career and that's why he can't perform at the same level. What do you think? Because the goal he scored showed me that he's not at the twilight of his career. It showed me that he's still got plenty of potential and plenty to offer for Tottenham Hotspur. Cutting in with a Cruyff turn, smashing it into the far corner beyond the goalkeeper. And yes, I know it's against an Austrian side called Wolfsberger, but he's still a top quality player. And do you think that we'll see him play more Premier League games now, kind of because of this performance? Because he's mainly been used as a bit part in these Europa League and FA Cup games that Tottenham have had. I think with Gareth Bale, you've got to remember that he hasn't really played very much over the last year or so. When he was at Real Madrid, he was out of favour there. Uh, and yeah, he did play some matches, but he's not played regularly. He played, certainly played more golf than he played football. So <laughs> he's um, getting back in the groove. I suspect he's had an element of pre-season since, since joining Tottenham. And the thing with Tottenham as well, look how strong they are up front. You've got, you've got uh, Kane and Son, who are two of the Premier League's all-time duos together, you're not going to break mm. them up just to stick Gareth Bale in there because you just happened to sign him from Real Madrid because he was getting bored playing golf. So, mm. um, yeah, we will probably see more of him. Now he's probably getting up to match fitness. And I think that's what this shows, is that he has still got the sharpness. He can still do it. Um, yeah, the opposition probably weren't quite as intense as perhaps he's faced in the Premier League. But... Um, He's a great player to bring on, and we were talking earlier about having great players to bring on partway through a match. I mean, that's the kind of quality of, of substitute you'd love to have, isn't it? That, that if you've got Kane and Son and, or any other attacker that uh, or winger that you want to swap off the, the field to have Gareth Bale stood on the sideline coming on the pitch, is, <laughs> it's got to be a demoraliser for the opposition to see that, and especially if he's back up to fitness. So, yeah, he's still got some of it. I don't think he's going to be a regular starter every day. I mean, he's, he is no spring chicken, so um, to get the best out of him, you're going to have to manage him a little more carefully, perhaps, but I won't be panicking the fact that he's not starting every game, because who are you going to who are you going to take out the Tottenham team to make way for him? You know, it's. Uh, it, I think he has got a role to play and that role was shown last night and he scored. I was going to say, don't remind Steve of Gareth Bale coming off the bench because he's still having nightmares about the Champions <laughs> League final <laughs> where he came oh, yeah. off and scored a ridiculous bicycle kick. Mm. Um, but in all fairness, Steve, you know, you'll remember that game. We'll all remember that game mainly because of that moment and I know I think it's the same game that Carrius made a couple of mistakes which might probably be etched <laughs> into the forefront of Liverpool minds more than anyone else but I remember that Champions League final not so much for the Carrius mistakes but for the overhead kick that Gareth Bale yeah. scored that that's the yeah. kind of encapsulating moment a bit like when Zidane scored that volley in the 0-2 Champions League final and Leverkusen yeah, unbelievable goal. And it's just one of those moments where you kind of etch yourself into history. And, you know, this was what, only three years ago, not even that. So it's it's hard to see that that talent has just kind of waned and eroded in such a short space of time. It must still be in there somewhere. I think it is in there somewhere because I think that you don't go from that player who in the 2018 Champions League final scored the two goals that he scored and made that impact off the bench because... 
he's still scoring goals like that. You know, he's still kind of hitting the ball really sweetly with that left left wand of a left peg. And um, I just think I can't put my finger on what is wrong with Gareth Bale because I think when he signed for Spurs in summer, I thought he would walk into that team. I thought there'd be a change in formation. I think, you know, we're, I mean, my team play 4-3-3, you know, and I thought Tottenham would have adapted a, a formation like that, especially after signing Matt Doherty, uh, uh, Wolves, who was used to playing in that wing-back role as well. I thought there might have been a bit of a change in formation and a bit of change in ambition in Jose from the pragmatist that he, that he normally is. But, you know, he's still kind of not changed. He's still quite rigid and, and, and Bale suffered as a result. And I think that um, it's been a bit testy, hasn't it? Because, you know, Bale's put good work out on his Instagram and Mourinho said he's, that that's not reality and stuff like that. And I just think that it just needs a line drawn under it. Oh, there's no place for all that stuff because all this stuff, you don't hear coming out of Man City. You don't hear it coming out of Man United. You don't hear it coming out of Liverpool when the chips are down. Everyone's on the same sheet. And I, I do point a bit of the finger at the manager for that, in all honesty, because I just still think there's a guy there that definitely needs an arm round him because someone I can't remember who said it in the media said he isn't the most confident lad in the world you know when you, you're kind of in a one on one situation with him and I just think he needs a manager who's going to put his arm around him tell him how valuable mm. he is tell him that he's the most important thing in the world um, to, to the team regardless of who else is there and I just think you've got to give him more minutes on the pitch because I think for Gareth Bale to hit peak form he's got to be having them minutes on the pitch that make him really sharp that make him really hungry and, and, you know, remove that yard that he appears to be off at the minute. And last night's opposition were, I mean, they were poor opposition them last night. I mean, I'm surprised it was only 4-1. I mean, we're talking about a team that is sat, I think, 6th um, or 7th in the Austrian League at the moment, isn't it? And they're in rotten form. Um, I mean, they had a brief look at it. I think they've won two out of the last five. Um, they're not in good form. But it'll have been a good confidence booster for him to have a little run and assist last night as well for the first goal. And I think that um, they should take the shackles off him and see what happens. You know, they're not going to win the league this season. Um, just kind of play him and see how he gets on. Yeah, I mean, you say they're not going to win the league. They might not even make top four at this rate. And we'll come on to that in a sec. But talking about players who have kind of been used bit part, there's one that's been completely left in the dark in recent times, Ian, and that's Deli Ali. He started the game and he actually looked decent as well. I think there are a couple of moments of skill which uh, showed what he was all about. What do you think the conundrum is there with Deli Ali? How does Mourinho go about it? Because, again, Tottenham fans have had their opinions on the disputes between Ali and Mourinho in terms of whether he's treating him fairly or not. Do you think Mourinho is showing a little bit of a case of, of tough love to Deli Ali? Because there was the arm around the shoulder when he first went into the club and Ali performed really, really well. And we saw evidence of that in the Amazon documentary um, on Tottenham Hotspur. However, since then, it's gone sour, let's just say. So do you think Mourinho is now employing that tough love tactic? So he goes out and says, well, you need to prove to me that you're good enough. And is it a case of Ali dusting himself down and standing up and saying, you know what, I am good enough to play in this Tottenham team? Because obviously there was links with PSG in the January transfer window, which never came off. You know, is, is maybe Ali trying to perform to, to prove that he's good enough to get in this Tottenham side? Or is he proving that he's good enough to engineer a move in the summer away from the club? I mean, there's so many different avenues you could take with this whole situation. I don't think that whatever the outcome uh, for Deli Ali, whether he stays at Tottenham uh, and is a regular feature of the team uh, or whether he ends up moving away and 
and meets up with Pochettino at, at Paris Saint-Germain, which, as you say, was, was rumoured before. Um, being in a sulk and not playing very well isn't going to help either of those outcomes, I don't think. So getting out on the pitch, playing well, giving your best and showing what you can do is is the best thing that you can do, whether you like being there or not, whether you like the manager or not. If you're getting the opportunity, go out and do your best. Because the other thing, of course, is, you know, European championships coming up. You want to be considered for the England team. um, And you're not going to walk into that England team if you haven't played for six months or whatever. So um, there's that to think about as well. But he played very, very well. In fact, I think he was man of the match. Um, according to Sky, I think it was Sky Sports gave him the man of the match last night for his performance um, in their reviews of, of, of the game. So he must be doing something right. And he had some great touches, set up some 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 really good chances. Um, I think from what I read as well, he has had an injury. He's had a tendon in- injury, which is not um, which has actually genuinely ruled him out of some games. So it's not like he's been overlooked solidly all the time. He has been injured a little bit too. So yeah, maybe a mixture of the tough love, mixture of injury and. Um, we don't really know what's going on I suppose but what he has done is when he's got his chance last night he's he's shown that um, like Gareth Bale uh, had as well you know that um, he's still got something there Mm, I'm glad you mentioned the Euros Ian because for me Steve I think that's something that you know he's going to struggle to get into the side in terms of Gareth Southgate's selection because you think of the midfielders uh, that England have got at their disposal now Madison, Mount, Jack Grealish I think all three of those players are probably edged ahead of Deli Alley in the pecking order and compared to what side we saw in the 2018 World Cup that got England to a semi-final I think we're looking at a very different side that Gareth Southgate selects for the Euros three years on so you know I think although that obviously getting into the Euro squad will be a part of Deli Alley's thinking I think that maybe he, he's going to have his work cut out to, to edge ahead of some of those players like Grealish and Mount, for example, just purely because they've been more consistent over the last two seasons. I think so. And then you'd add into the into the three names you just mentioned, you'd add Phil Foden and Curtis Jones into the mix as well. And you think that, you know, are, are Foden and Curtis Jones, I mean, I think Foden's more ahead of Curtis Jones, if we're going to be honest about it. But Curtis Jones is getting a run in the Liverpool team and he is, he is having an impact in that Liverpool team. So... You know, he might kind of, you know, he always, I mean, I think all the England managers always take a bit of a wild card with them, you know, for, for some areas of the pitch, don't they? And I just think that Dele Alli's behind them five lads, if I'm honest. Um, I think when you've got the regulars and on top of that as well, like your Hendersons of this world, I think that um, I can't see Dele Alli, even if he's in majestic form between now and the end of the season, getting in that Euro squad. I think that the England career has, has ground to a halt, unfortunately. And I think that... That's why I thought the move away to PSG might have been a good thing for him because if he's playing in the Champions League and he's performing in that PSG team, suddenly it does give Gareth Southgate a decision to make, doesn't it? And, you know, him getting bits here and there at Spurs is not going to get him into the Euros team. So I just think there's there's five lads ahead of him for that position he's after. And I just think he's probably got to go, right, OK, Qatar has got to be the target for him. I mean, let's not forget Deli Ali is still only 24 years old. Um, he's got I mean even though he's been he, I think because he broke on the scene when he was like 17 it feels like he's been around forever doesn't it but I think at 24 years of age I think there will be that almost that kind of line in the sand in summer where he goes right okay I've got to leave Tottenham I've got to go and do something else whether I go and sign for I don't know whether I go and sign for someone like like Leicester City or or, or ever go and sign for someone like Southampton or, or who, Everton or whoever you know potentially will give him that route back into the England team. 
and getting games week in, week out and getting playing European football again. Because there is a talent in there. Like he's a young lad still, he's made mistakes and the the career can be can have the defibrillator put on it and he can he can rock it again because there is a player in there. But we go back to this Mourinho thing, don't we, and the drama with players and stuff like that and how it's all played out in public and again I think it's a real kind of weakness of Mourinho's uh, as well so I think there's two people to blame in the situation like the Bale uh, situation we talked about before I don't think Tottenham are going to make the top four in the Premier League this season and I don't think that that's an outrageous claim for me to say so after what I've seen so far in these 24-25 games of the season to date so then with that in mind we've seen him do this before Jose Mourinho Ian is he going to focus now on the Europa League? A strong side last night against a, a team, as Steve rightly says, you'd expect Tottenham to beat regardless. Um, Wolfsberger from Austria. So they did win the game 4-1. They are in pole position. The chances are they are going to make it through to the last 16 of the competition. You know, if they can't finish top four, Tottenham need to be making Champions League football. They got to the final only a couple of seasons ago. So do you think that he will be taking the unconventional but well-trodden Mourinho route of winning the Europa League in order to get into the Champions League? Yeah, most probably. I think, as you say, there's there's not a right lot going on in the in the Premier League for them now. I think that's starting to slip away uh, with Man United and Man City um, really laying the claim to it's going to be one of those two, most likely City. Um, so yeah, I think a European competition, a European win, um, surely would be the next greatest trophy that there is on the table left to win for them. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think he will be focusing on that. And especially as he's got a history of, of doing pretty well in Europe as well. Um, you know, I think we've seen what he's done previously with other teams. And, uh, yeah, I think it will be all eggs in the Europa League basket uh, from now on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he certainly knows how to win any trophy, let alone a European trophy. He's done that on plenty of occasions. Two Champions Leagues, two Europa Leagues. Could be on his hunt. For, could be on the hunt for his third. Tottenham four, uh, Wolfsburger won last night in the round of 32 of the Europa League. Leicester did draw nil nil with Slavia Prague, but it was a bit of a bitty game and uh, not really too much to discuss there. But they still have an opportunity, of course, to get through to the next stages as well um, when they play the return leg at the King Power Stadium. Time to leave Europa League on the back burner at least for another week, and time to talk Premier League action instead. We'll be focusing back on the English top flight, and we'll do it next here on Football Social Day. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. I've got Steve and Ian alongside me and Premier League action this Friday night. Wolverhampton Wanderers against Leeds is the game that kicks off this Premier League weekend at Molyneux. Now, talk about the season that Wolves have had, Steve. It's been poor compared to the two seasons they've had previously. Back-to-back seventh-place finishes and many would have expected them to finish in a similar spot this season. But as we've discussed many times on the show this season already, reasons as to why Wolves aren't quite doing as well of injuries and transfers and perhaps uh, maybe a little bit of loss of confidence and a loss of identity. Uh, can they find a semblance of form by winning tonight? They've won their last four games against Leeds, which will give them a bit of confidence. But if they do pick up a victory, it'll be the first time they've won back-to-back Premier League games since October, which is uh, quite a remarkable statistic and probably explains why they are 14th in the top flight table. Yeah, I think... It, it, I like Wolves and I've been quite complimentary about them on this podcast for as, as long as we've been doing it. 
Um, I just think that you're right. You talk about injuries. I think Jimenez has been a massive blow for them. Um, and I know they're optimistic on him. I mean, I, I don't share that optimism because, as, as we all know, it's a horrendous injury to have what 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 happened to him and, and it's finished quite a few careers off. But the guy's training, again, lightly, albeit. But I just think that with Wolves, they're going to struggle anyway because they've had to change their style. Um, obviously, I mentioned Matt Doherty before, who, who was really mm. a big part of their success and, and the way that they played. And they brought um, Nelson Semedo in from Barcelona, haven't they? And he's not really delivered. No. And um, I just think that it's had a massive impact on, on Wolves. And yeah. Triori's been a bit off as well. And I just think that um, the thing, what they'll be thinking tonight is that you don't know what you're going to get with Leeds United. You don't know which leads are going to turn up because obviously you get them where they go to Villa Park and win 3-0, they go to Everton and win, and you're thinking, wow, they, you know, they're turning the corner. And then they just go and get battered by someone. Um, and it could be one of them nights tonight you know, where they're away from home, they conceded four last time out against Arsenal, but they could win 3-0 against the Wolves side that's struggling. So... It's a pick'em tonight, you know, as they say over in <laughs> Vegas, and um, I just think I'm just looking at looking at the odds, you know, for, for, for with Sky, and um, two lead to two to one, and and Wolves are thirteen to ten. Says it all. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, uh, but I think it'll be entertaining. But you know, let, let, I think Wolves do need to pick up some results because finishing what thirteenth or fourteenth or whatever they are is is not good enough for given the investment that's gone in there. Pick a hand, toss a coin, whatever you want. Um, come on then, Ian, you're the Leeds fan here. What sort of Leeds are going to turn up tonight? Are you equally as uncertain as we are? I think a hugely fired up Leeds is going to turn out tonight. I think Wolves could be in for one. Um, two reasons for that. Uh, Leeds g- don't generally get thrashed twice on the bounce. Famous last words. Um, but uh, usually That's my the, bet sorted out. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually, usually they they usually pretty much fired up. You know, after after a big uh, defeat, we've usually seen a big bounce back. Uh, another reason as well, and and this this is um, I can see why they'll they're whether going to be fired up. Calvin Phillips's grandma Val uh, sadly passed away mm. yesterday, um, and she was a huge part. I don't know if you saw the um, the Amazon documentary. She was a big part of that. And, and and a big part of the the, the team as well, um, really. You know, she was always around the team, always celebrating with them, with them when they, you know, when they won. And she was a huge part of their success last year. In you know, just a part of the group, and um, mm. you know, fondly loved within Leeds United. And um, and I can see Leeds putting a big performance in you know in her memory tonight, which sounds something quite small, but uh, knowing how Leeds United, how tight a team they are. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a big reason for Leeds to really go for it tonight and uh, and against mm. Wolves you know as you say Wolves really um, really took it to Leeds last time they played them and, and Leeds I think apart from Arsenal um, Leeds have, have not really been had the double done, on, done over them uh, this season so most teams that have uh, that have had success against Leeds have, have then copped it uh, on the uh, on the replay so it, it stacks up that way Um Maybe I'm being overly optimistic. 
I know we've been talking about European football throughout the course of this podcast, but Leeds would be a good European side, wouldn't they? You beat us 4-0 in the first leg and we'll beat you 4-0 in the second. And we'll see what happens on oh, penalties. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember way back, way back in the olden days when um, when Leeds were in, in Europe. And there's a fantastic night. And that's what Leeds fans are after. That's what Leeds want. They want those big midweek nights of Europa League or Champions League football. And it's not going to happen this no. year. But, you know, in the next two or three, it, it might well do because they are tremendous occasions and Leeds have always been a great you know a great team to, to play in those um, those kind of competitions yeah. Yeah, they are fantastic and that is the aim that's what that's what Leeds are, are aiming for over the next few years yeah. is to, to get into the top six or seven probably long term you're right but in terms yeah. of the immediate term it's got to be safety in the Premier League hasn't it to be fair and do you think they've reached that stage already obviously everyone says the magic 40 point barrier is the kind of marker for staying up in the Premier League but with you know the points gap between I think Newcastle in 17th and Fulham in 18th and then the rest of the teams in the relegation zone it seems very very unlikely that Leeds are going to slip up at this stage and they'll probably have to lose all the rest of their games between now and the end of the season to to drop down into that bottom three. Yeah I think it would have to be quite a big capitulation for for them to get in trouble now. I think I think the league is pretty much going to be as is to be honest now um but um you know i think newcastle I are, 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 well yeah well i think i think I th- yeah i think that's I all think right new- steve you've got 40 points you're safe from relegation yeah. this season all right the odd position can change the odd position can change but i think i think newcastle could, could find themselves in bother yet um but mm, agreed you know and, and i said that right from the start just the way they're going mm, um but and, and the other thing for leeds as well is that they do have an element of strength in depth that their leeds is under 23s are top of the um development league by 10 points at the moment um and so they've got a, a good strong amount of youth coming through as well so you know in the in the shorter term future that leeds do have a a lot of signings that we haven't actually seen yet that are bubbling away nicely on the back burner and uh, probably in the next season or two we are going to see them um, which is hugely promising by the way Newcastle at bottom of that league as well <laughs> well they're not quite bottom of the Premier League which I think many fans would argue is the one that really counts but still a six point gap between Newcastle and Fulham um, who are in the relegation zone uh, meanwhile Leeds United are on 32 points which means still eight to make up if they are to reach that mythical 40 points which keeps you safe but I think uh, as you rightly point out the chances of them dropping down into it are, are quite slim indeed uh, talk about the uh, the strength in depth. Obviously, Patrick Bamford has been excellent for Leeds this season. He's having an excellent season. We'll come on to him shortly. But from a Wolves perspective up front, Steve, where they've missed uh, Raul Jimenez and they've not had the uh, enterprise and industry of Doherty anymore and Traore's dropped off a little bit and obviously Johnny's been injured on the left uh, wing-back position as well. Um, several other players have had to step up and one of those has been 20-year-old Pedro Neto, who I think me and you are both big fans of. He scored five goals and assisted four goals in the Premier League this season. So that's nine goal contributions. And should he get an assist in this game tonight, it'll be the first player under the age of 21 to both score and assist five goals in a Premier League season since Marcus Rashford did it in 2017-18 for Manchester United. Just how important is he and has he become for Wolves this season? He's been the star of that Wolves team this season, hasn't he? And I think what, what a player he is. You know, yeah. I remember him playing against us. Um, I think it was last season, or maybe the season before. And uh, he was eight, like eighteen and nineteen. And he scored a goal at Anfield, and it was disallowed for offside. And I remember thinking at the time, "There's a player there." And his development over the last, you know, season or two since has just been phenomenal. 
I'm I'm a big fan of him. I would I'd love my own club to go in for him in summer, um, because I think he'd fit really well into that. And I think that they, they have uncovered a gem there. And it's interesting um, what's happened with Fabio Silva versus what Pedro Neto's done um, when mm. they've obviously both joined the club at a very similar age. And I think that. He he's brilliant. He's scored some quality goals and and the assists as well. Uh, are something that makes players ultra valuable. And he's been the shining light, like I said, in a Wolves team this season. Absolutely fantastic, and probably going to the Euros with the national team. Would have thought mm. as well. One appearance for Portugal, one goal. Can't do yeah. more than that. Um, yeah. Called up in November, but obviously international football. Um, the scene is a little bit rocky at the moment in terms of call-ups and uh, travelling for games and stuff like that. So he's certainly doing himself no harm at all in getting in contention for that Portugal side who, of course, are defending European champions, aren't they, with the 2016 Euro victory uh, in France. So fair play to them and a fair play to Pedro Neto for the way he's performed this season. As you say, he doesn't play like a 20-year-old. He's got so much maturity and a really exciting player, I think, for the future of Wolverhampton. Hampton Wanderers and indeed the Premier League should he stick around in the English top flight um, okay let's talk about Bamford because I think it could be a tale of two forward players tonight Neto and uh, Patrick Bamford um, interestingly enough he was speaking about earlier this week um, Ian about his time at Burnley on loan uh, when he was yeah. a Chelsea player he was on loan at Burnley and said that Sean Dyche kind of frowned upon him and didn't really um, didn't really take to him said that he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth for those people who don't know a little bit about the backstory of Patrick Bamford he does come from uh, a middle class background he was privately educated which is an unusual route for footballers to take not so much in some of the other sports we see in this country but certainly professional football you don't see that too often so Sean Dyche kind of uh, supposedly frowned upon him a little bit because of that and, um, and and Patrick Bamford said that kind of lit the fire within him um, at the time to kind of prove Sean Dyche wrong and I'm not saying that kind of his performances for Leeds have been in spite of Sean Dyche, but certainly he's not the sort of player who would shy away from a challenge, as has been shown this season. You know, he's been given opportunities in the Premier League before, probably hasn't quite taken them. But he's found his place at Leeds. He's found his home at Leeds United. They create plenty of chances for him and he finishes most of them off. Yeah, I think Bielsa's brought out a different side of him as well that hasn't been used before. And I think also not just um, what happened at Burnley with Sean Dyche I think what happened just generally at Chelsea as well uh, mm. because he missed out on it on, on a chance there signed for Chelsea thinks that everything's going to be going great he's going to be in the Chelsea team it never quite happened so I think he's just keen to prove that he is good enough for the Premier League and that he is a decent striker that that he knows in there he, he knows he can do it he's just trying to prove it and maybe sometimes he tries a little bit too hard if anything but more than more than just being a striker and you know shooting at the goal and scoring goals and stuff he works so hard for the rest of the team which is probably what he didn't used to do when he was playing for other teams and that's something that Bielsa mm. insists on on all the players the Leeds players run further than any other than any other team i think pretty much maybe bar man city but they play very similar styles so um, you look at Bamford tonight, if you watch him, you'll see him running back, defending uh, a corner, and then he'll be the first up the other end of the field to to um, to make sure he's in a, a scoring position. And he's back and forth, back and forth. So it's um, it's a, 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 a different role, a demanding role, a very athletic role. And that's something why maybe he sticks with Bamford when um, perhaps he's missed quite a, a few chances. Uh, and and fans are saying, well, why don't we get another striker? You know, it's not all about the striking. It's it's about the the larger role in the team as well, which he does better than 
probably a lot of other players because Leeds have stuck other strikers in and they just didn't do anything. And I think Eddie Nketiah was one. You know, Eddie Nketiah uh, from Arsenal was great. He was a good goal poacher. He was good at shooting, but he wasn't doing the rest of the work that Bamford did. And and it really, it was noticeable, actually, that, um, that, that, that Leeds weren't as balanced because, yeah, he's waiting there to score his goal, but he wasn't doing much else. <laughs> well, Patrick Bamford will be hoping to find the net tonight against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Wolves taking on Leeds in the Premier League. It's the first kickoff of the weekend Friday night action in the top flight and my favourite uh, little quip to do with this game was in Marcelo Bielsa's pre-match press conference where a journalist asked him what's your impression of Nuno Espirito Santo the opposition manager and uh, as is often the case with Marcelo Bielsa it was translated to him uh, by his uh, right hand man into his ear and uh, his response was my Portuguese accent isn't very good I can't do a good impression of Nuno Espirito Santo I think he kind of took the question the wrong way uh, but that's the beauty of being lost in translation Um, Marcelo Bielsa always a character Um, thanks very much Steve thank you Ian cheers thanks cheers lads my name's Niall don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss another episode of Football Social Daily again don't forget tomorrow morning UK time as Bright and early as you can imagine, uh, there'll be a brand new Premier League preview podcast for you. Looking ahead to all the weekend's games that take place across Saturday and Sunday. And then on Sunday, Fergal Brennan and the gang will be with you to look back at all the weekend's action, all the goals, all the games. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss those two. But that's it for today's episode. We'll catch you again soon here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social.